Can I, can we just talk today? Uh, Pastor Garland Thompson, thank you, man. I started pastoring people 25 years ago. But V, I'm a church, I'm a church guy, I'm a church baby, I'm a church boy. And I soon discovered at an early age that church can be hurtful. I remember one of uh, the deacons at my home church back in Alexandria telling my mother, I'm going to that meeting just to fight the pastor. I don't care what he says. I'm not going to agree with it. But as time went on, I forgot about that, honestly, because I was, I was a kid. And when I got called on my first assignment, um, I really thought that um, everybody in church was nice. I really thought everybody in church was loving and kind and compassionate because it was it was during that season of I love you and you can't do nothing about it and and Joanna I really thought that people meant that I really thought that people loved you because they hugged you and they were we were all a part of the Lord's church and we were uniformed but we weren't unified and so the more I pastored the more the more I uh, was a part of church organizations from conventions to associations I've discovered that um, church can be one of the most cutthroat places you ever want to hang out. But yet I'm a part of the church. And here is the thing, the church is imperfect because people are imperfect. But I refuse to let people outside of the church talk about the church. Because I am who I am because of the church. What are some of the things we find at church? Sexism. That the church would rather listen to a man who hasn't been called. because he is a man and will reject the gift of a female because she is a female. Racism. That uh, white folk who think the Republican party and the flag are in the Bible. Racism, conservatism, 
classism that we've made the church into a country club and if you don't live like me and dress like me and drive like me if your resume and if your pedigree doesn't represent mine then I, I shun you because we are the upper echelon of the city homophobia that we talk about people's sexual orientations in derogatory terms from the pulpit, not knowing that your own daughter, your own son is struggling with those issues. And a friend of mine whose member was struggling with her sexuality left church after being harmed by the pulpit and hung herself. Broken trust, betrayal. Even you, Brutus? But Dr. Tolan Morgan says, if you can't handle betrayal, you can't stand to be blessed. Alienation, the unfortunate thing about this is that the people who hurt you are blinded by hard hearts and pride. And Tom, one of the most dangerous, the most dangerous person in church to deal with is a person who is stupid and don't know that they're stupid. A, people, a person who is wrong, but they are loud and wrong. And they are defensive in their wrong. Just, just wrong. And I understand that all of us in this room have been dejected, rejected, and we've been hurt by the people who claim to love us and to, who, who, who we say will nurture us from, from our pastors to our mentors to yeah. our fellow congregants. Yeah. And we're angry and we're bitter. And here is the problem. You are blaming the entire church for one or two silly people. You are blaming the entire church. You have rejected Christ and all he's done for you based upon the actions of two people. So now you say, I'm through with church. I'm not going back. I'm not going to serve. I'm not going to give because they hurt me. But let me ask you a question. On the flip side, have you ever thought about who you hurt? Whose feelings that you you hurt, not 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 on purpose, but you you I I've had to tell tell God and people I'm sorry because I, I can be I can be a mess. And that, that's all I'm gonna say about that. 
But here is the thing. Some of you don't, don't use your church hurt as an excuse not to make a commitment to God. Because you are hurt and your hurt is real. Your pain is real. But guess what? It is your responsibility to start the process of healing. And so I want to address this issue because I want, I want fellowship to be a place of healing and wholeness. Not a place where we just allow and shout and dance and, and holler, but yet no chains are broken. And a place where no one's yokes are destroyed. And a place where no one can say, I'm coming here because it's my safe place. It's my place of healing. It's my place where I can receive the word of God and the power of God and the spirit of God to go throughout my week. Yeah. Church hurt is real. Yeah. And I know what Jeremiah meant when he said it's like fire. Yeah. Shut up in my bones. But here is the problem with that. So many times in church we preach that saying and, and we shout it with excitement. Because it sounds good and, and supposedly communicates the joy that one feels down on the inside. That statement is often said with exuberance in order to get you into a mode of praise and worship and church and preachers and pulpiteers use that statement and make it seem that everything is all right. And that one is on fire for God. However, when Jeremiah said that statement, it's, it's like fire shut in my bones. He was not on spiritual cloud now. He wasn't feeling unspeakable joy. He wasn't full of glory. As a matter of fact, he didn't have the peace that surpasseth all understanding. He wasn't saying God is great and greatly to be praised. Understand that Jeremiah did not want to even preach God's word. Not because he was backslidden or because he was uh, not close to God. Uh, nor because he was spiritually weak. Uh, Jeremiah did not want to preach because the people he was preaching to were so mean. Jeremiah had a pure heart for the gospel. He had a pure heart for God. Jeremiah did not want to preach because the people that God had told him to preach to verbally harassed him. They were mean. They looked mean. They talked mean. They acted mean. They were harmful to his mental capacity. The last place you expect to find hurt is that church. The last place you expect to find rejection is at church. The last 
place you expect to get your heart broken and the last place you are expected to cry is at church by people who hug you and pray for you and sing with you and lay their hands on you and hire you and bless your babies and love on your children. That's the last place you expect to be hurt by people who say, welcome to fellowship, welcome to Freedom Mount Zion. That's the last place you expect to get hurt. And I've had to go before God and tell God I was sorry because for years I redirected my anger from the pulpit and I preached hurt and I spewed blood on innocent people. And I burned down the whole barn trying to kill two rats. And I had to tell God I was sorry. <clears throat> if, if you hear nothing else I say, and I'm, I'm, I'm almost done with the sermon, hear this. Never expect the people who hurt you to understand your pain if they have never experienced your pain. Because the people who hurt you and say mean things to you at church, don't miss this. They actually believe that they're right. They don't see any harm in what they have said to you and what they have done to you. It was my mother who helped me to recalibrate how I talk to people. Because I'm, 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 I'm introverted, I'm stoic, I'm, some suggest I'm mean to a point. And I have those moments, if you ask Nikki. <laughs> and she said to me, Vicente, she said, you have to understand, everybody isn't as mean and hard as you are. And so what may not bother you may hurt other people. So you have to be careful with your tone, William Anthony. Because if you know me, you know I am blunt and I am extremely blunt. And I don't care where you are mentally, if you're having a bad day, what I think is what I say. And for that, respect that. Because it's a bunch of people who are lying to you. It's a bunch of folk who, who hug you weakly and can't stand you. At least I tell you I don't like you. <laughs> let me let me let me jump in this and I'm on soon because this we we just talking. This ain't preaching, this ain't we just talking. When you read when you read chapter one of Jeremiah around verse five, you discover one thing: the prophet is called. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Listen, church, you're hurt, but you're also called. You're called, but you're also hurt. And there are times you try to abort your calling based upon your pain. 
And you can't abort what you, you cannot abort the gift that God has given to you because one or two people have turned their back on you. If that would be the case, then when Jesus got to Calvary, he should have come down from the cross. Why? Because everybody who he helped hurt him. They abandoned him. Where was Jairus and his daughter? Where was the multitude who he fed with fish and bread? Where, 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 where was the centurion and his servant? Where was Mary, Martha, and Lazarus? If anybody faced hurt and rejection in spite of their call, it was Jesus Christ. You're called. And you are trying to wrestle with your call based upon your hurt. And I don't mean you're called to just preach. You're called to serve. You're called to sing. You're called to minister. You are called to do what you do, but you are trying to reject what you do based upon what he said, what she said, or what they said. Listen, church, God cannot bless you and your calling while leaving you comfortable. Rejection and betrayal are a part of ministry. And if you can't handle rejection and betrayal, and guess what? Rejection and betrayal is supposed to hurt. It's supposed to cut. It's supposed to make you cry because rejection and betrayal only comes from people you love. Because guess what? If you don't like me, I don't care if you curse me or fire me or hurt me. I have no mental or emotional connection to you. So your rejection of me doesn't bother me. But it is the one who eats my bread at my table. It is the one who calls me bra and sis and fam and BFF and boo and bae. That's what breaks my heart because you're in my face but then you, you can't stand me. You're hugging me but yet you are planning on me. You are, you are testing me but yet you can't stand me. That, that's what hurts me. That's why Julia said, even you, Brutus? I expected the other senators to betray me. That stab wounds mean nothing to me as we stand in the Roman Senate. But even you, I raised you. I helped pour into you. I helped steer, steer your political ambition. And it is you who stabbed me. Anybody here been stabbed? Anybody here been stabbed? And the stabbing comes when you least expect it. And what, what, what does not surprise me is that I am being stabbed. What surprises me is who's holding the knife. That's, but yet, although I'm stabbed, I'm still called. 
And that's what we who are called do. We still have to preach, have to serve, have to sing while we are bleeding. You don't get a day off because you're in your feelings. You can't abort this. You can't abort the job because you are in your feelings. You, you can't. You can't do this and live in your feelings. You can't do what we do and live in your feelings. Yes, your hurt is real. Yes, your hurt is pain painful but you can't you cannot make that a reason to abort the gift and the calling that God has given to you what if every preacher would stop preaching because church folk didn't like us you would never hear the gospel What if every musician, every singer would, would, would stop because some other singer or musician cut them? You would never hear a song. If Jesus was betrayed, so will you. So stop trying to live in some fictitious, false world that that uh, you will never be hurt. And can I tell you something? This is between me and you. Always keep your good eye open. And never get too comfortable. And don't tell nobody everything. Because some people in church are waiting for you to become vulnerable so you can share. Hey, sis, I got you. But sometimes listening ears are running miles. The prophet is called. But then when you read chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, guess what? The people are corrupt. This is, what, this is what God says. Go up and down the streets of Jerusalem. Look around and consider. Search through the squares. If you can find but one person who deals honestly and seeks truth, I will forgive the city. God says, go look. I'm in Jeremiah 5, 1 and 2. He said, go look. I promise you, you can't find nobody. Here is the thing, and here is where we have to understand. Look at me for a second. Understand this. The reason why church is so toxic at times is because people who come to church do not lose their toxicity because they walk in the building. 
If you are toxic in the car, you toxic in here. So there will be times we'll find people in church who are messy, who are evil, who are no good. And I'm from Louisiana, Alexandria, and we would say even Two-Face. You, you, you know anybody got, got two faces? Which is where we get the word hypocrite from. Which, why, which, which is why you should never call anybody else a hypocrite because you got two. As a matter of fact, some of us have three or four faces. <laughs> so be careful who you call a hypocrite. Does some of y'all wake up mad? How you wake up mad? You just Jesus then kept you all night long. <laughs> and you wake up with you wake up, man. Here is the whole thing about church. We have to give people room to grow. And the way everyone who comes to church don't come to church spiritually grown. And there are some people who have longevity in membership but are immature spiritually. And there are some corrupt people in church. From the pulpit to the pew. And sometimes we are hurt by those people. We are hurt by them. And before you tell me about your church hurt, and I get it, but I'm going to show you church hurt. Church hurt is when you have to pray for the same fellow who just rejected your raise. You have to bless the baby or married the daughter of the fellow who just cussed you out in a meeting. You have to literally put down how you, physic how you physically and mentally feel and go pray for the sister who just talked about your family. Your hurt is real. Your pain is real. What they did to you is real. What they said about you is real. Their rejection of you of, of you is real. But now you have to make a choice. Are you going to live in that dysfunction? Or will you choose to be better? Now if you like attention, then you, you choose to live in the dysfunction. They did this. They said that. They hurt me. You don't know how I feel. No, I don't know. But Jesus knows. And you have to make a choice. Jeremiah, I don't want to preach. I don't want to preach. These people are low down. They are evil. They are corrupt. A, a few days ago, um, I know I have two educators here, Taylor and 
Yeah. And, uh, and Joanna, maybe more. But last week, I think it was, a, a young man went to a school board meeting. A young white boy went to school board meeting to talk about COVID-19. And to, to talk about how kids should wear masks in school and how they should get the vaccine if, 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 if possible. And the young boy told a story of how, I think it was his grandmother who was either dying or died of COVID-19. And the people in the room, grown people begin to heckle a child. Begin to boo a child, describing the demise and death of his grandmother. Here's my point. People's hearts are hard. People are mean. And here is what we miss at church. People are mean by nature. People are hurtful and harmful by nature. You are hateful and harmful by nature. And the only reason why you have changed is by the love of God. And as saved as you are, if the right feather catch you on the right day, you might revert back to don't push me because I'm close to the edge. Try not to lose my head. Like a jungle sometimes it makes me wonder how I keep them going under. And church folk will push you. <laughs> right here. I um you you, you ever come to church in a good mood? And you happy in Jesus? And the fella at the door who's supposed to be greeting you in Jesus' name got an attitude. Which is why, you know, we ain't rushing to make nobody greet us and ushers. We have to vet these people first. <laughs> And then in verse in chapter 12, and I'm almost done, in chapter 12 of Jeremiah, guess what? The prophet complains. Let, let, let me show you how angry Jeremiah was. In, in, in chapter 12, Jeremiah says, you, you are always righteous, Lord, when I bring my case before you. But let me show you how mad he is at these people. In, in verse 4 of 12, he says, drag them off like sheep to be butchered. Set them apart for the day of slaughter. Jeremiah says, just kill them. Kill them all. Don't leave none of them here. Can I tell you something? 
Confession is good for the soul. But it's bad for the reputation. I understand Jeremiah. Because I done said a few prayers myself. But I'm glad God did not, he didn't answer. Because I was in my flesh. He complained, listen, these, they're evil. They're no good. Can you imagine preaching good news to people who hate you? Preaching life to people who can't stand you. Every preacher will tell you that time where we preach good news to you while being dead on the inside. Preaching life being called into a meeting. Preaching life being harmed by the same sheep that you have been destined to lead. To those of you who are hurt today by the church, well, let me, let, 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 let me qualify that. The church ain't bothered you. Certain folk in the church. So could it be the, the, the language is wrong. Church hurt. Because the church ain't bothered you. It is people in the church who are evil, immature, and perhaps even unsaved. They have hurt you. Like Jeremiah, you want God to kill them. You want God to hurt them. You want God to... No, we can't do that because years after Jeremiah, he comes Jesus with this talk, this, this talk. Some stuff I really wish he wouldn't have said, but he said it anyway. Pray for your neighbor. Love those who use you in the wrong capacity. That's what Christians, what if God allowed you to be hurt to see if you are mature as you are and not curse them but pray for them. Because you talked about how they hurt you. How was your response? How long was your text message? How long was your email? How many curse words did the text message have in it? Or could you just simply erase it and just say, okay. Because here's the whole thing. You have to get to a point where in spite of your hurt, you have to learn how to protect your peace. Protect your mind. And don't allow the toxicity of other people to invade your space. And so now some ask me, how are you doing since your transition? And this is my response. Zippity-doo-dah. 
Se eu queria. My, oh my, what a wonderful day. Plenty of sunshine. Why? Because I refuse to live in that toxicity. Because I had to take responsibility. Because guess what? As much as I was hurt, I was also responsible for hurting some people. And here is when you are mature in God, even in church hurt, when you no longer always play the victim. I'm done. We we're just talking. The prophet expresses himself in chapter 9, verse 20. He says, listen, I don't want to preach no more. I don't want to do this. But, but, but I have to. I have to do it. I don't want to do it. And in my doing it, I'm doing it because there is something that I cannot suppress. I want to suppress it, but I can't. And if I don't do it, I won't have any peace. To you, my friends in the room and you who are virtual, guess what? God won't give you no peace until you use the gift that God has given to you. I ended on this through some of my roughest times in every one of my churches I always went back to this one book called Ezekiel where God told Zeke preach anyway they ain't gonna like you they ain't gonna love you they ain't gonna listen to you their faces will be hard Next, don't be stiff, but preach anyway. Listen, church, you have to sing, you have to dance, you have to usher, you have to greet, you have to serve anyway. And guess what? Sometimes you have to do that in the face of people who are scowling at you. They can't stand you. They hate you. But guess what? You don't preach for them. You don't dance for them. You don't usher for them. You don't sing for them. And that's your problem. You think you... No, the audience is God. And you will live a life of regret because you refuse to use your gift because you are hurt. Sexism. She's a woman. She can't tell me nothing. Ageism. She's too old. He's too old. And we need young folk in the church. And we do need young folk in the church. But the church cannot reject older people either. Why? Because if anyone needs God and ministry and understanding it is people who understand that they have more days behind them 
and they wrestle every day with their mortality getting older getting slower and you who have aging parents should know that homophobia it ain't my job to tell you what your sexual orientation is. My job is to love you and to share Jesus with you. Because we can't focus on gay people and miss the adulterers and the fornicators and the alcoholics, and the gamblers, and the busybodies, and the messy people. Because you know in church, if you ain't gay, drunk, or having sex with somebody, you, you, people think you all right. But I got a witness probably who can testify like Uncle Paul. There are times the stuff you shouldn't be doing. That's the stuff you love to do the most. Broken, broken trust and betrayal and alienation. If you ever want to find gangs in church, gangs go to church. Crips, bloods, crip walking in church. And you can always know who the clique is and who they don't like. Because when, when somebody walk in church who they don't like, they lean front. Then they get the texting, you see her? That dress does not fit her body type, honey. And we alienate people. And we make people feel less than because they don't look how we look and wear what we wear and have what we have and live how we live. And yet we have the nerve to sing, what a fellowship. What a joy divine. Here is one of the missions of Fellowship Church, and that is to meet and love people where they are. Divorced, strung out, released from prison, rich, poor, PhD, GED, suburbs, hood, well-spoken, broken English. We want to love you where you are. Why? Because somebody had the love of God to love us where we are. And so what we don't want to happen in fellowship is you have on a black suit and a black tie and a white shirt and a white dress, but your heart is as black as your shirt. You see. I'm an imperfect pastor. I will say things and do things you won't like. And there are some things as a pastor I'll do you won't understand. 
But if you want me to love you where you are, love me where I am. 